Hey, hello, I'm Justin Belguarini, CEO and founder of the Warrior Artist Empire, and you are listening to the Warrior Artist Podcast. Today's episode is titled, The Weirdest Audition Ever. Kick back, relax, and enjoy the show. The gift and the curse of being artists and performers is that we are more aware and more in touch than most people with the secrets of life that exist just behind the curtain of the everyday. So the question is, how do we play full out and beat the odds in an entertainment business that feels like it's designed to block our path at every turn? Well, the Warrior Artist Podcast answers that question and so much more. I'm Justin Belguarini, and you are listening to the Warrior Artist Podcast. I'm at a conference in Nashville right now, and it's been an extremely long but very productive day. So this podcast is going to be on the shorter side. But I wanted to share with you something today um, that I'm not sure I've talked about before, uh, at least not in this way. In one of the presentations at the conference uh, I was in, one of the speakers talked about sharing your stories and sharing specifically the stories in, in which you've learned a very valuable lesson. And that's what I want to do with you, my tribe, my warrior artists today. One of the strangest auditions I've ever been in involved a key of pretty amazing, interesting folks on the other side, a key, a panel rather, of pretty, it's always been a long day, of pretty interesting and amazing folks on the other side of the table. Down in Atlanta, uh, I was, actually it was in New York, but I was auditioning for a show that was going to work itself out, out of town, at the Alliance Theater in Atlanta. And so I'm in New York, and I step into the audition room and nobody decided to tell me because you know how we usually give each other like a little like hey you know give, give scope it scope it out for the actor after you at least so the kind the kind people scope it out and say hey look you know this guy's a little bit this or this girl's a little bit that or this director's a little this and we just kind of help each other out a little bit well nobody decided to do that for me this day and it was a musical that I knew it involved me needing to play guitar, so I brought my guitar with me and I was ready to go, and I walked in the audition room, and there on the other side of the table were the casting director, the director, neither of whom I really knew, but sitting next to the director was Stephen King, the author. And next to him was T-Bone Burnett, the huge... I mean, to music production, practically what Stephen King is to the literary works, T-Bone Burnett, huge music producer. And next to him was John Mellencamp, who, if you're a certain age like me, you remember as John Cougar Mellencamp. And then just to round off the weirdness, 
sitting next to John of the former Cougar, Mellencamp, was Meg Ryan, America's sweetheart, actor Meg Ryan, star of screen, big and small. And so there I am. Pleasantly surprised that these people were sitting in the audition room. And I pulled over a chair and I spoke to the director. I said a brief hello to everyone. And what was really interesting was at the beginning of the audition, John of the former Cougar, Mellon Camp, sat back with his arms folded and just kind of looked bored. Just, just didn't want to be there. And later on, I would come to realize or come to understand that he was dead set against any sort of, you know, reality TV show people being a part of his production. He just couldn't stand reality TV. And I don't blame him. I understand that because most reality TV is just crap. Really. Even if you do love it, I have friends who love, you know, Housewives of Atlanta and The Bachelorette and all of their stuff, and they just love to, they love to just sit and watch it and live the drama. And there's nothing wrong with that. But from an old school artist perspective like Johnny Coogs, I can see why he would not want to have someone from reality TV show, much less a reality TV show singing competition as a part of his show. And so, getting that vibe and that energy, although to understand exactly why I got it from him, I sat down, I tried to, my best to, because I've dealt with difficult people in the audition room, haven't we all? Especially if you're a woman. There's so many people I've spoken to, clients, friends, who have stories that are women, who have stories about just being I mean, condescension, being condescended to, I guess that's the right way of putting it, is, is the most mild, kind way that I can put it. And it happens to everyone. So I dealt with it. And I sat down, and without allowing myself to really invest in anything I was getting from the other side of the table, other than the weirdness of the situation, I started playing. And a funny thing happened. John, at first, who was surly, arms crossed, scowl on his face, started to perk up a little bit. I played a song called I'm So Lonesome I Could Cry, a very, very well-known song by Hank Williams Sr., who was a country legend. And... I did my own arrangement of it. And it was really awesome. Out of the corner of my eye, I was I was performing, but I could see John first unfold his arms and look curious, then begin to lean forward. And then when I got to a part where I do a whistle solo, <laughs> yeah, you heard me right a whistle solo in this piece. Not something that I would recommend 
for people to do. I think Whistle Solo probably comes second on the list after singing a cappella. You know, <laughs> both of which I've done in auditions. But it's one of those things where y there's no, uh, it's like one or zero. You know, either, either you, it's right or it's wrong. On or it's off. And in this instance, I happen to get it right. So I'm whistle soloing and underneath the table, because you know how they, they have those sort of like those those plastic tables that fold up and become the most awkward briefcase ever, one of those things? Well, that's what it was. It was two white plastic topped tables that were sitting next to one another. And there was no sort of uh, tablecloth on them or anything. So I could see their legs. And as I'm doing this whistle solo, I see Johnny Kiggs reach his right leg, which would have been on my left side, over and start hitting, nudging that, that sort of that hard nudge on T-Bone's leg. And I knew I had him. It was the most thrilling experience to watch him go from that completely closed and cut off to someone who was like, who was, who was elbowing in essence. The guy next to him, like, are you seeing this? Are you hearing this? Stephen King's eyes lit up and he has these really stunningly blue eyes. Now, why do I say all of this? Because I'm trying to tell you how awesome I am? No. Two points. Be prepared for anything when you walk in the audition room. I know I've said this before at some point, but I think I used a different story. This story epitomizes because I have never before and never since had a such an unlikely panel of people in a music theater audition on the other side of the table. Stephen King, T-Bone Burnett, John Mellencamp, and Meg Ryan. Like what? 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 For music theater? Yes. And they wrote a show together called The Ghost Brothers of Darkland County. Which, unfortunately, I'm sitting in a wicker chair, so it's going to be very loud. Um, unfortunately, did not make its way to Broadway, but was a great story with great music. And I hope someday that it does make it. But it had, it had, it had problems. Everyone knew it. And, you know, hopefully someday they'll be able to figure it out. But the point being, be prepared for anything. When I walked in that room, I could have fallen apart over the fact that I love Stephen King. If you have not read the Gunslinger series, his it, it is his magnum opus. It is all the things you would ever want in a magical realism or fantasy meets reality sort of tale. It is it is unbelievable and anyone who has read it knows what I'm talking about. If you haven't, please read it because it is just a masterwork. And it's not like, you know, Pet Cemetery. It's not, it's not scary for the sake of being scary like some of his books can be, although I don't think any of them are scary for the sake of being scary. I think they're more than that. But you know what I'm saying. It is amazing. And it is the, the key to Stephen King's world. I'm sorry to go off on a Stephen King tangent here, but he has created an, a world where things are linked. It's kind of like the... Um, Game of Thrones, you know, where all these different 
books, although Game of Thrones is Game of Thrones, but imagine all of Stephen King's books are linked in some way, shape, or form, and you learn different things from different perspectives about different books in and and throughout all of his book series. And it kind of the central hub of it all is within this Gunslinger book. Anyway, and so T-Bone Burnett, someone who has made Grammy, Oscar, Emmy winning productions and who's like a god in the world that I come from. John Cougar Mellencamp, who's just the salty dog who's had massive radio hits and, you know, say what you will about him, he's a hell of a songwriter. And then Meg Ryan, who like, oh, Sleepless in Seattle? Come on, Inner Space? Do you remember that Inner Space movie with Dennis Quaid? I think that that's where they met and they got married. I think they got married, yeah. The, Dennis Quaid and uh, Martin Short, Inner Space. You have to be of a certain age to remember that movie. But I mean, like she, was the, she just was it. She was America's sweetheart. I could have fallen apart. But I just kept it together. And then the second point, when you run across that individual on the other side of the table or individuals on the other side of the table who already have it out for you, shall we say? who before you even open your mouth have judged you to be not worthy or treat you like crap. The greatest thing that you can do is to prove them dead wrong by nailing the audition, being so prepared, so flexible when it comes to the notes that they give you, even if they're completely crazy. And by delivering a performance that says, you would be crazy not to hire me. You don't have to say that, obviously, because then they might be like, <laughs> X. But you can say it without saying it by being that good, that connected. And in a program that I may have put out by the time you hear this or am putting out shortly, if you're hearing this, I don't know, sometime in February of 2019, I'm going to teach you how to deliver a performance like that that will knock people's socks off. Not just once, not just every once in a while, but every single time. So, be prepared. And two, regardless of how you are treated in the room, and Lord knows we are treated poorly, often, deliver a performance that will knock... Your best revenge is by being unbelievably prepared and by being unbelievably connected to the work and flexible able to take notes and adjustments regardless of how off the wall they are because people will test you just to test you. People will make you do things that are in complete opposition of any sense that the scene and or song says just to see. Just see if you can you can go with it. 
Because as you know, if you've been in a show or if you've been in anything that, that run, you've been through the preview process, you've been, you know that things change on a dime, especially with new work. Lines will change daily. Entire scenes, entire songs will be thrown out and the next night you'll have to perform something new. Or worse, you'll be learning something new during the day, performing the old stuff at night and having to keep the two of them separate in your head and then over two, maybe three days, if you're lucky, of learning the new stuff but performing the old stuff at night. You'll learn the new stuff over the three days while you're performing you know, or, or performing two nights worth of the old stuff. And then on the third day, you really lock in the new stuff and that night you perform it. And that's if you're lucky. Sometimes the changes are so small that they are like, I'll oh, just do it tonight. We'll learn it today and do it tonight. So you got ah, ah. How do we do it? There's a lot of answers to that question, but the best revenge in that situation is to deliver one hell of a performance. That's all I got for you today, folks. I hope you're having a wonderful day. I am absolutely loving this conference that I'm at, and it is teaching me many, many wonderful things that I'm going to pass along to you here in this podcast and in the upcoming community that I am building for us, for the warrior artists. But in the meantime, as always, you can email me at justin at ilivetoperform.com. That's Justin at I-L-I-V-E-T-O-P-E-R-F-O-R-M.com. If you have any comments, questions, concerns, things that you want to hear about on the next podcast, I am here for you and I answer those emails personally. So shoot me one, won't you? In the meantime, I wish you all the best. Keep the faith. Be prepared. And remember the best revenge for a sour person or persons on the other side of the table is to give them one hell of a performance. <laughs>